Hello, I'm Dr. Jim Taylor, and welcome to episode 29 of my Crisis to Opportunity podcast. This episode is the first of four in which I'll explore with you the importance of what I call mental muscles in how you respond to a crisis. The topic for this episode is doubt to confidence. And because confidence plays such a vital role in how you respond to a crisis, this and the following episode will focus on confidence. But before we dive into confidence, let me lay a foundation of understanding of what mental muscles are and why they're so important when confronted with a crisis. When you listen to earlier episodes of my Crisis to Opportunity podcast, you see the different levels of influence that our evolved brains exert on our lives and, more specific to this podcast, the role it has in how we respond to a crisis. Through the previous episodes, you've seen the level of influence moving from a more broad-based and diffuse impact to the much more immediate influence on our day-to-day lives. Metaphorically speaking, we started at 50,000 feet and have moved to the ground level. The next four episodes bring the focus onto the influence of our brains to the boots on the ground, the most direct impact on your ability to engage and sustain your efforts as you combat a crisis. The reality is, confronting a crisis takes strength, both physical and mental. Physical strength is important because crises do take a toll on your body. They can wear you down, exhaust you, and can even cause both illness and injury. Additionally, to successfully meet the challenges presented by a crisis, you must also have mental strength. Each episode of Crisis to Opportunity offers you ways to find the psychological fortitude necessary to overcome a crisis. It's one thing to have the overall strength to face down a crisis. It's an entirely different experience to have the day-to-day and moment-to-moment stamina to resist an adversary that can feel superpowered and invincible. I see the cerebral cortex as comprised of mental muscles that can be strong, weak, or injured. And just like physical muscles, if your mental muscles are weak, then you won't be able to use them to their fullest capabilities in confronting a crisis. And you won't be able to exert maximum force against the substantial resistance that the crisis brings to the confrontation. Additionally, a crisis can cause your mental muscles to incur a quote-unquote injury. This happens when some aspect of your psychological or emotional musculature sustains damage that makes it even more difficult to push back against a crisis. For example, a crisis can cause your confidence muscle or determination muscle to become injured. Your best bet is to enter the fray of a crisis with your mental muscles as strong as possible so you'll have the best chance to flex those muscles to overcome the crisis. Your goal is to strengthen your mental muscles to prevent injury and to allow yourself to respond with overwhelming force in the face of a crisis. In order to do so, you want to have an exercise regimen that you can follow to keep your mental muscles healthy and strong. From Carl Jung, I'm not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. In this series of episodes, I'll introduce you to three mental muscles that I believe are most essential to marshalling a vigorous defense against a crisis. With these three mental muscles, I present forks in the road that as long as you take the good road, you will have the means to strengthen those mental muscles both before or when a crisis strikes. Those strong mental muscles will enable you to exert your opportunity mindset and give you the immediate strength you need when a crisis hits and the stamina to keep fighting if the crisis goes on for longer than you anticipated. So now let's get to the topic for today, doubt to confidence. 
So much of your ability to respond positively to a crisis depends on whether you believe you can respond positively to the crisis and if you believe that your efforts will be sufficient to meet the challenges you face. If you doubt your capabilities against such a formidable opponent as a crisis, you aren't likely to overcome it. In contrast, if you have confidence that you will overcome the crisis, you will give a strong and sustained effort that will make it more likely you'll produce the desired outcome and surmount the crisis. Let's start with a brief exploration of doubt. There are many reasons why you may doubt that you can prevail over a crisis. If you lack confidence in your general abilities as a person and don't have a strong sense of agency or the feeling that you have control over your life, then you will likely feel ineffective in the face of a crisis. In addition, you may have experienced crises in the past and were perhaps unable to surmount them, thus providing evidence of your incapabilities. Moreover, if you don't have knowledge or expertise in the specific area in which the crisis occurs, for example, natural disaster, personal safety, or technological, you will feel that you don't have the tools to fix the problems that the crisis creates. Finally, doubt can also arise from your immediate experiences as a crisis envelops you. Anything that counters your belief in your ability to achieve your crisis goals will hurt your confidence. From President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the only limit to our realization of tomorrow will be our doubts of today. Let us move forward with strong and active faith. Now let's consider some different ways in which doubt affects us. First, negativity. If you have doubt, you aren't going to believe in yourself, which can result in a self-fulfilling prophecy. As Henry Ford once said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Having doubts leads to a lot of negative self-talk or negative talk to others, which reinforces your doubt. As you experience a crisis, you may be thinking, I just can't do this, or this crisis is just too much for me to handle. Or you may tell a friend, I'm not ready for this, or I don't have a chance. Not surprisingly, this negativity sets you up for failure because you're becoming your own worst enemy. When you turn against yourself while already confronting a crisis, you give yourself little chance of a positive outcome. Doubt also causes stress. If you have considerable self-doubt, you will likely experience an inordinate amount of stress as the crisis emerges and continues unabated. As I've discussed in previous episodes, that stress is an innate reaction to a perceived threat. If you doubt your ability to overcome a crisis, then you will certainly see it as a massive threat. As with other reactions related to doubt, experiencing high threat creates a self-fulfilling prophecy because its negative psychological and physical effects make it more difficult to respond in a positive and intentional way. The highly unpleasant physical symptoms of stress, the racing heart, shortness of breath, muscle tension, send a message to your brain that confirms your doubts and triggers a flight reaction. And obviously, fleeing prevents you from doing what you need to do to respond constructively to the crisis. From the legendary football coach, Lou Holtz, it's not the load that breaks you down. It's the way you carry it. Another result of doubt is a lack of effort. Doubt and the accompanying stress set off your flight response, which may manifest itself as diminished effort or complete surrender. From your doubtful perspective, there's no point of trying when you know that you will fail. This toxic stew of doubt causes you to lose determination and creates a vicious cycle of ever-increasing doubt, low effort, and ongoing failure. 
Entering this cycle basically means that you have zero chance of marshalling a reasonable response to the crisis. Doubt also leads to poor results, a poor outcome to the crisis. The greatest cause of doubt is failure. Failure can mean making mistakes as you confront a crisis, such as delaying a report of harassment at work or not filing an insurance claim immediately after an earthquake. Missteps can cause you to lose faith in your ability and become tentative, cautious, or overwhelmed. Failure can also mean you put in the effort but fail to achieve the results you want. There's nothing that increases doubt more during a crisis than failure because it provides evidence that any confidence you may have had is unjustified. Now, let's look at confidence. Confidence lies at the other end of the continuum from doubt. Instead of uncertainty, there's trust. Rather than negativity, there's positivity. In place of stress, there is energy. The definition of confidence is how strongly you believe in your ability to overcome challenges and produce the outcome you want. Confidence may be the most important mental factor when facing a crisis because you can have all the ability in the world but if you don't believe you have that ability, then you won't use it to your fullest to resolve the crisis. For example, you may have the emotional capabilities to be a father, but if you don't have faith in those abilities, then you will struggle to assume the role of caregiver when your first child is born. To respond positively to a crisis, your goal is to develop and maintain a deep, lasting, and resilient confidence in your ability to respond positively to a crisis. This confidence will keep you positive, motivated, relaxed, and focused, especially in times of stress. With confidence, you stay positive even in the face of struggles. You aren't doubting yourself or feeling uncertain when obstacles come into your path. Confidence also encourages you to face the difficulties of a crisis head on. From Samuel Johnson, the 18th century English author, self-confidence is the first requisite of great undertakings. A common misconception that many people have is that confidence is something that is inborn or that you will never have confidence if you don't have it at an early age. In reality though, confidence is a muscle that can be strengthened much like biceps and quadriceps. Just like any other muscle, confidence can be developed through exercise by exerting focus, effort, and repetition to strengthen it. Now let me introduce you to my confidence challenge. It's easy to stay confident when your life is free of stress, conflict, or crisis. The real test of confidence is how you respond when things aren't going your way. I call this the confidence challenge because it shows if you are able to maintain belief in yourself even when a crisis is throwing everything it has at you. Let me be clear, everyone struggles during a crisis. The key is not to get caught up in the negativity and to be able to stay confident through the ups and downs until you've successfully overcome the crisis. There are several keys to mastering the confidence challenge. First, adopt an opportunity mindset rather than a crisis mentality. Second, develop the attitude that crises are challenges to be sought out, not threats to avoid. Third, believe that some crises in life are inevitable and that you can overcome them. Fourth, be well prepared to meet the challenges of a crisis. Fifth, stay positive and motivated in the face of the difficulties. Sixth, focus on what you need to do to overcome the crises. Seventh, accept that you may experience some failure when faced with a crisis. 
And finally, and most importantly, never, ever give up. From Marcus Garvey, the 20th century political leader and journalist, if you have no confidence in self, you are twice defeated in the race of life. I'm Dr. Jim Taylor, and thanks for listening to episode 29 of my Crisis to Opportunity podcast. And be on the lookout for episode 30 in the near future.